Welcome to Starman's Podcast, where we post an episode whenever we want. <laughs> You're on our time here. <laughs> we don't give a fuck. We don't give a fuck. No, I'm just fuck. kidding. We have been a little bit behind, so we do apologize for that. Do we? Uh, we do want to mention that we have a Patreon, so if you'd like to support this uh, podcast, uh, very your little contribution helps so much. You have no idea how much it actually helps us. Um... Like, it actually will help us if, like, five people subscribe. That would fund this entire podcast. So if you're listening to this and you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe to our Patreon. Link is in the bio. Link is in the description of this podcast. All right, we're done. <clears throat> it's Starman's in the morning. And by morning, we mean 6 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be talking about all the planets today and some really, really cool, interesting facts that um, I don't think anybody knows we'll see we shall see if you know one of these facts well then uh good for you but i'll be surprised because i did some i did a lot of digging so basically we're going to go over every single planet in the solar system except for earth and except for pluto because pluto's not a planet <laughs> and then we are and not the sun and well the sun obviously the sun's a star it is not a planet so. i know um, but cool f- sun, f- sun fact, uh, <laughs> we recently just had a crazy uh, solar storm. And, Did we? Well, the We're sun had a solar to. storm, and now it's on its way to Earth currently. And it's a, we might be able to see Aurora Borealis March 24th. Tomorrow. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, 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 yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, look out for that and stuff. Um, all right, so let's get into it. Do you have any <laughs> questions for me? <laughs> No, I have my own facts unless you cover them. So I'm going to dig in at the end and tell you my little ones. Probably not your crazy big ones. Okay. So but that's it. For each planet, I've set up like two really interesting things about them each. Dope. And then I have like a plethora of uh, interesting just little tidbits about Jargon. the planet. Just like, you know, oh, this one's oblong or this one's cool as fuck. You know, that's, one's that kind of stuff. oblong. Yes. Um, <laughs> what? No. Well, technically. No. All of them are. Technically, Earth is. Yes. No. It's not yes. a perfect sphere. Okay, anyway. Mars. This is in no particular order, by the I way. I hate Mars. This is by, like, an order of, like, what I decided what planet I wanted to study at the time. So, Mar- Mars. Mars. Um, did you know? Yes. That at one point, we thought aliens lived on Mars... And we went into a pissing match with Soviet Russia in the Cold War to communicate who could communicate with the aliens on Mars first. This is a real thing. I'm not surprised. Fact that you probably didn't know. So, sure. Uh, in the earliest 20th, 20th century, Percival Lowell identified that Mars had water canals. This is, this is like the first identification of Mars. Uh, and he was convinced that because there was water canals, that there was a civilization living on Mars. So fast forward during the Cold War, there was uh, motivation for the first ever missions to Mars to try to prove this theory. In 1962, the Soviet Union sent up a probe called the Mars M1 on a flyby mission. This was the first of many failures uh, between the uh, between Russia and U.S., so the first successful mission was in 1971, so like 10 years later, it called the U.S. Mariner 9. It was the first probe to orbit another planet ever, but it was in a dust storm during its orbit. So it showed... Cool. 
So all it showed was a red cloud, and they couldn't actually see anything. The Soviets sent two probes with landers. They crashed one of them, and the other one orbited, and sent one at image back that was just basically salt and pepper, nothing, and then it stopped functioning. Um, so three probes were orbiting, but Russia fucked up. They had a, they had predetermined flight paths and recordings. Like the probes were set to like record at certain times during its orbit, right? These were pre-programmed, no communication. So they fucked up because it was during a storm. But the U.S. had the noggin to uh, be able to basically not send like specific instructions to the probe, but to tell it to wait to take photos. So it was orbiting Mars. Oh, Jesus. It was orbiting Mars. And then um, then they were like, okay, dust storm's probably over. Let's take pictures. So they turned the cameras on, and they got some really cool photos. Uh, to no one's surprise, there's no civilization on Mars. Because of this, eventually NASA mapped out the planet's geological positions and created maps of where they planned to send new probes in the future that could actually land. So in 1976, Viking 1 and Viking 2, identical probes, both of which were made both of which made successful landings on Mars. Uh, but these probes were stationary, they couldn't move, and looking for they were specifically looking for signs of life. So at this time NASA determined that the planet, at least on its surface, was desolate and life couldn't sustain itself because of these findings we had no interest in returning for another 20 years because of this. So basically <clears throat> the U S and Russia had a pissing match between who could land a probe, find aliens. And we landed it in the early or late 1970s. And then we were like, Oh, there's no life. There's no water. It's desolate. We're gone. <clears throat> we didn't return back for 20 more years. So that's, that's actually important because that goes to my next fact about Mars, which is, Mars has liquid water and potentially life. <laughs> if you don't fucking know that, I'm really fucking sorry. That's <clears throat> duh. Okay. Are but, you, but potentially are you life? Seri yes. I didn't know that. No. No. I knew. Like I knew, bacteria I knew it had water. has water. Yeah, they're searching for bacteria right now, like microbes. Yeah. Well, they've always been searching for it, but. This is actually no. This like, is like actually like it's like um the the chemotropes we talked about um surviving underwater. Right. Yes. Okay. They, they hypothesize that those are on Mars. Okay. So. Well, then you know this fact. Good. good for I you. do know that one. Yes. Well, for those okay. of you who don't, because I was yes. shocked by this. In 2018, the University of Cambridge published an article not only supporting the well-known evidence of frozen ice caps on the poles, because we've known that for a while, mm -hmm. but also new radio technology that confirms the existence of liquid water beneath the surface of these ice caps. They do this by looking at radio wave reflections and measuring the residual waves that come back. In addition to that, they also report, quote, on Earth, sub subglacial lake effect of the shape of the overlaying ice sheet, its surface topography. The water in subglacial lake lowers friction between the ice sheets and bed, affecting velocity and ice flow under gravity. This, in turn, affects the shape of the ice sheet subsurface above the lake, often creating a depression in the ice surface followed by a raised area further down. This is what they observed on Mars, so we're led to believe that there's liquid water underneath. Right. The team, which also included researchers from the University of Sheffield, the University of Nantes, 
and the University College of Dublin uh, used a range of techniques to examine data from NASA's Mars Global Surveyor Satellite on the surface topography of part of Mars, Mars's sol, sol, sorry, Mars's south polar ice cap, you say that 10 times fast, um, where the radar signal was identified. If there are geothermal vents available under the ice caps, the potential of finding microorganisms living there are almost certain. So we don't know if there's geothermal vents, but we do know that there's liquid water. We're just sort of speculating. Chemosynthetrophs, so. yeah. Yeah, so we know there's, we think, we're pretty sure there's liquid water. We're pretty sure that's the cause of geothermal vents. And if mm -hmm. that is the case, then there's almost certainly life on Mars. Yes. So it's a good chance. Fun facts. A solar day on Mars is about 40 minutes longer than a, than a normal day on Earth. But to avoid confusion of the days between Earth and Mars, we call one day on Earth one soul on Mars. Mm -hmm. So Mars has souls, not days. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, the winds on Mars can be so strong that it blows dust off solar panels uh, of rovers. The designers in the early and late 1970s knew this, so they didn't make any sort of dust cleaning utilities on their rovers. Which didn't work because they lost communications of opportunity in 2018 due to this. <laughs> Whoops. Yes, oopsie poopsie. So they were like, nah, the winds will take care of it. They Good. sent a probe up and it fucking died. And they were like, we have nothing to... Oops. We thought the winds would be enough. No. no. Dumbasses. Anyway, Mars is the first planet we've ever mined on. Oh, speaking of that, that actually digs into mine, but keep going. Literally digs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. Uh, all rovers have exact clones of themselves at NASA. So anytime we send a probe or uh, a rover to Mars, we have a one-for-one -one copy that we keep on Earth. And we drive in a facility to send it like... So um, the reason is because rovers can get stuck on Mars. And so what we do is we build an environment around the probe because we've, we have cameras on rovers so we know what's around it, rocks and sand. And we build that and stick the rover on Earth in that stuck situation and then try many times to get out of that situation. The one that works, they send that to Mars. I thought that was really clever. It makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. they're not just like trying. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, let's just try to back up in right. Mars and then they get stuck even worse. Right. So they have one for one. Communication is precious out into deep space. So mm, Definitely. Yeah. You well, want to make sure deep, whatever. Quote unquote space. Yeah, you want to make sure that whatever commands you're sending the rover to do is going to be viable. Be good, yeah. yeah. Actually, in, uh, I think it was Opportunity. I should have written it down. I'm pretty sure it was Opportunity. Um, they uh, got stuck in a situation so bad in the soil that they all they could do was move it in such a way that tilted the axis towards more sunlight during the day. So the solar panels could get more light, basically. And that's all they could do because they couldn't get it unstuck on Earth. And they tried sending random, well, not random, but like the best possible commands to Mars and it got stuck. So, and last little fun fact, in 2018, we put a seismometer on the surface of Mars to identify Mars quakes and thermal sensor to measure volcanic activity. That's the InSight mission. Which is literally what I... So that's what I picked, actually. The Insight Mission? I picked mission? the Insight Mission, yes. So that's a stationary one, I Yes, think. it's a little... It's like a little <laughs> digging probe thing. Um, it was able to detect over 1,300 seismic activities when it dug down and they sent it. 
Jesus. Um, 50 of them actually had enough clear evidence to send information back to Earth with its geographical location, particularly exactly where it happened on Mars itself. Right. The most recent, May 2022, had a magnitude of five, and it lasted up for six hours with aftershocks. So the mission was intent on digging down into Mars, the crust itself, to study, like, the geology of it Mm -hmm. and essentially the rate of its tectonic activity, if it has tectonic plates at all, which it does. Right. Um, And also meteor impact activity. It can detect when it it takes a meteor hit, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Started November 2018, like you just said, and it ended its last transmission May 2022. It's done Mm -hmm. due to sand on the solar panel. Boom. Hey, hey guys, maybe just a little brush to go like this. Just go. <laughs> like, well, I don't blame them. If, you know, again, every piece that you send up there is precious. <laughs> Weight matters when we're sending things into space. So if they're like, well, if we can cut two ounces, let's do it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I get why. They're like, yeah, the wind. It's so fine. good bridge. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I, only, I put that little tidbit in there because I looked at that mission and I was like, it's cool, but it doesn't have enough substance to talk like a lot about. It's, so. it's interesting and relatable because we talk a lot of earthquakes and tectonic activity in this podcast. So I was like, oh, boom. Hell boom. yeah. And I hate Mars. I hate it. Why? It's just annoying. Yeah. Overrated. Well, we're going to be talking about Saturn next, yeah! which is like my favorite planet ever. Yeah. Interesting. You picked Saturn second. <laughs> Why did you? No, second. That was, oh shit. Yeah, second. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Interesting. Uh, that's That is weird. Stop. Stop Ew. it. Ew. BBC, go. Did you watch a video on this? I don't know. What's your fact? We might have watched the same video. (laughs) I don't know. All right. So Saturn, a mission was proposed in 1964. NASA realized that in the year 1977, they could take advantage of a rare alignment of the gas giants of our solar system Mm -hmm. and use a slingshot method to send a single probe past all the planets, all the gas giant planets. It was called the Grand Tour. This is relevant to Saturn in a minute. Yeah. It was called the Grand Tour. Two probes would be part of the Mariner series, Pioneer, called the Pioneer probes. Because no spacecraft had been sent beyond Mars ever, they thought it would be a good idea to launch two probes before then to test out deep space environment. NASA wasn't sure it was possible to even fly past the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter, but during those flight missions as it passed Jupiter, it measured 10,000 times more electron radiation than Earth actually killed some of the probes on board instruments um so they had to alter their 1977 spacecrafts to make sure it could survive the pioneer 11 um sorry make sure they could survive it pioneer 11 was launched in 1977 and in 1979 it sent back pictures of saturn that we've never seen before it discovered the f ring of saturn which was an invisible ring to to a telescope image and is shepherded by two moons pandora and prometheus so what that means is that there's a ring, um, and I'll be posting this on our Instagram. There's a ring of Saturn that is formed because two moons are between them. So I'll show you a little picture. That's an outer ring of... It's outer, and the rest of the ring is out here. So like if we look at, um, if we look at this image, it's that ring right there. Oh, so it creates a space... Because yeah. the moon's taking up that space. Right. Cool. So, yeah, it's basically <laughs> basically two moons of Saturn. Cool. Um, has its own, like, ring system. And it actually, as the moons traverse the ring, it steals 
like material like gravity pulls in like little material yeah, every once in a while it's pretty cool just a little bit it can't say too much or it'd be a fucking planet at this point so. right um so the pioneer probes paved the way for the better probes to be meant pat are meant to pass voyager one and voyager two which we've talked a lot about on this podcast uh the two probes were more robust and brought back even more findings of saturn's ring structures and moons so that's that's the cool like probe fact of uh, Saturn. Love it. <clears throat> and uh, this one is, although Titan is Saturn's largest and often most talked about moon, Enceladus is, in my opinion, far more fascinating. So this is actually less about Saturn and more about its moon Enceladus. That's fine. Uh, but it's actually like, it was way cooler than any Saturn fact I could find. So the Cassini probe altered its orbit flyby of this moon to go through the jets of water on the south pole of Enceladus. At the time, they didn't know quite what it was they figured it was water and they found traces of salt water and silica which is really cool so it can only be dissolved in hot water indicating for the first time ever yeah that it found a celestial body with saltwater oceans and under close inspection of the large cracks in Enceladus's icy surface a thermometer measured that it was emitting heat out of its vents indicating that it has uh Indicating that oceans were warmed by geothermal activity. <gasps> Volcanic activity. That's the only way you can get silica. Yes. Yes. <gasps> See? So we know it has water. It's a saltwater ocean. Okay. And its oceans are warm enough to sustain life with geothermal vents. We know these three facts. In order to find life, you need a heat source, liquid water, and organic material. Right. But you also need a fourth thing. You need to. You need those three things to be stable for long enough to sustain life. And we don't know how long Enceladus has been doing this for. So we don't really know if it can sustain life right now. Um, we're Right now we're certain of those three, but unsure of the stability. It could be that it only recently started doing this, you know, the last hundred or thousand years, but that's not long enough for life to fully form. No. So uh, it has the greatest chance of any other body in our solar system of having life right now. It actually has, like, it has the recipe for life mm-hmm. right now, and we know that. So Super um, cool cool little facts um the cassini probe the one that measured water on enceladus was purposefully crashed into saturn's atmosphere to prevent contaminating its moons recently too i think right uh i think it was yeah like 2018 2019 i think yeah i don't know the year but um basically once they found that moon they were like oh shit it might actually have life we need to get this fucking probe out of here (laughs) and so when it was done with its mission they crashed it into saturn because saturn definitely doesn't (laughs) have life on it and if it does it's weird as fuck um uneven ring features uh, uneven ring features of saturn are actually called spokes that is it uh that are particles lifted by electrostatic charge so Mm. if it's not completely flat the little like ridges and little hills and mountains of the ring you can call them yeah those are called spokes and they're uh the result of saturn's highly electrostatic very electric like electrically charged Saturn is. Yeah, basically. Like, fucking Yoda way to say it, but literally. Yeah, it is. Uh, Titan is the only moon that is large enough to have its own atmosphere. Mm. It's the only moon that. In the entire solar system? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, Saturn's E ring is almost 100. Or, sorry. Yeah, it is 100% made up of Enceladus plumes of water vapor. So if you trace like where the water goes, it ends up in like a ring feature called Saturn's E-ring. Uh, Saturn's got moons that co-orbit 
So I didn't know this. I didn't know what co-orbit is, but it's two moons that switch each other's orbitals on occasion. So if if you have two moons, and it's the two that we talked about, actually, um, occasionally they do they orbit, they have their own orbitals, right? Mm-hmm. They flip on each other. Oh, and then go the and opposite they, way. And then they both trade orbitals every once in a while. It's crazy. Fuck me. I right. didn't even know you could do that, but no. there you go. So that that's an indication, by the way. That oh, it's not the opposite way. It's they... They don't go positions. the opposite. They trade positions. Stop yeah. it. They slingshot each other. Yeah. I they shake and bake it, Ricky Bobby. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all my Saturn stuff. Okay. Actually, I have something different. Okay, good. So speaking of the electronically charged shit, um, so I actually watched some BBC stuff. You probably already know this, but I didn't know. The lightning storms on Saturn turn the methane into carbon soot, which as it falls, hardens into loosely chunks of like graphite. Right. Which, you know, hardened graphite, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. The graphite is then compressed by the astronomically high atmospheric pressure of Saturn, and it creates what is known as diamond rain. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. So Saturn's atmosphere is so dense <laughs> that in the process of this graphite falling, sometimes you get these electrochemical storms, these, ther- uh, whatever, these intensely strong lightning storms that compress this graphite as it falls and it creates diamonds and the diamonds fall to the ground. Literally raining diamonds. Literally. (laughs) That's crazy. So the diamond stones eventually get absorbed into the liquid seas and then they get melted into the hot core, of course. Um, This leads to over 1,000 tons, and this is European tons, so just slightly... T-O-N-N-E-S. Yes, slightly more than the American ton, being potentially produced per year on Saturn. Also happens on Uranus. This mm. diamond storms. Right. Fucking crazy. The atmospheric pressure literally changes graphite, compresses it down to diamonds, and then drops it. And they're not like beautiful crystal clear diamonds. If you see pictures, they have like some clarity to them, but then they have the graphite side or they're a little bit black on one side. But it just, it compresses it enough where it's like, oh. Yep, just, I mean, it's like any other atmosphere. Crazy. Earth, Earth has rain that as it falls, it cools, and during certain situations, mm-hmm. it can turn to ice and fall. Right. Like that, it's like the same idea, it's just but, with like totally different chemicals, diamonds, totally different atmosphere. Carbon, like carbon compressed, obviously makes diamonds, but I was yeah. like, holy shit, I didn't know that, so. Yeah, I'm surprised it, you didn't know that. I, th- I thought you would actually know that one. I knew it rained horrible things. I didn't know what it was, yeah. but. Well, that's just one. There's probably very many, 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 many things. So, Cool. Next. Moving on to Jupiter. What do you have next? The bay. Is that what you have? Yeah. No, Jupiter was first for me. Okay. Because I'm a real person. Okay. Um, I didn't, I, I broke the rules on this one. I just have like four kind of really cool facts. Okay. Deal. Go. Uh, so Jupiter's gravity is so insane that NASA uses it to send probes against the ecliptic. So what the ecliptic is, is the orbit of all the planets against the sun. Have you ever noticed that all the planets move one way? Counterclockwise? Well, so you have the sun, which is rotating. Then you have the planets, which are rotating. And then you have all the planets rotating around the sun and then moving forward in the galaxy, which is rotating. Then you have the Milky Way galaxy, right. which is rotating. In the same way, by and the then way. You, yeah, and then you have Andromeda, which is rotating. Then you have the entire universe, which is actually slowly rotating. So no wonder you don't have vertigo. It's shocking. Yes, but anyway, that the direction in which it <laughs> the direction in which it goes is called the ecliptic. 
Okay. Sure. Okay. Now, if you try to send a probe against the ecliptic, it won't. It will eventually. All the planets moving. It's kind of like a tidal force. Yeah, it just, well, the it gravitational will, pull. Yep, yeah. it'll just curve it until it hits the ecliptic. Yeah. But gra- but the gravity of Jupiter is so nuts that we can actually send probes against it, and it wraps around, and it's so strong that it, it will goes, go bloop, against bloop. the ecliptic. Yeah. Shoot! And no other planet can do that. Big just, beastie. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's fucking massive. She's a big boy. A big girl. So almost every single mission we've ever done, whether it was against the ecliptic or not, with a probe, has almost certainly passed Jupiter. At least if we're going past Jupiter. Do we with the always probes. use the that as like a slingshot method? Yes, because it can uh, it can accelerate the rate at which it goes. Even if even if so you were backtracking, it's like it going would be and then it goes blue blue and then keeps going faster. Yeah, big time. Okay. So otherwise, the gravity of the sun will always take precedence and send everything along the ecliptic. Not not only that, but because its gravity is so strong, it can be used to accelerate probes to other planets. Yes. Even if Jupiter is far out of the way, distance-wise, to its final destination, uh, it it doesn't matter. It will always be faster to send it through Jupiter's gravity. Yep. Um, at this rate, almost every probe we've sent out to deep, sp- deep space has orbited Jupiter. Most probes test their instruments um, when they do this uh, by taking pictures and measurements of Jupiter's Jupiter and its moons as it passes by. Right. So, like, yeah, we're sending a probe out to deep space. We use Jupiter as a slingshot. Why not take pictures of Jupiter and test oh, out the equipment? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, observations made by the Voyager spacecrafts showed that the moons of Europa was a particularly of interest to the Galileo team. A salty ocean exists beneath Europa's surface. Later examination of Galileo data sets revealed plasma wave and magnetic field information, showing that there are plumes of water vapor that were erupting from cracks of the surface. Europa has more water on it than Earth, which makes it possible to home life. Similar to Mars, yeah. Yeah. Um, the difference with like Europa and uh, and uh, Enceladus is that we were talking about? Yes, earlier? Enceladus. Um, is that Europa is actually a lot hotter in its core because Jupiter's gravity is so intense that the core of Europa is liquid and lava-y. We have a liquid core, though, but it's a liquid metal core, iron. Right. It may not be lava. Right. So interesting. So it's, it's still a really cool planet. Uh, Io has tides of up to 100 meters above the surface caused by the gravitational disformation of Jupiter. So same thing. It's actually like, it's like a, imagine like a, a, I don't know, like a ball, like a baseball, but it's under so much force that it like starts warping a little bit and it has like a wavy texture. That's what IO looks like. Um, It also has constant volcanic eruptions and also hotter than anything on earth. IO is like the Venus mini. Uh, Yes, basically. Yeah. And Jupiter's north and south pole are occupied by one single vortex at the center, which are then surrounded by anticyclones. Mm-hmm. Eight anticyclones on the top and five anticyclones oh. on the bottom. It remains a total mystery as to why the cyclones don't engulf each other, and they're completely separated. Do they all like revolve around each other? Yes. It's very interesting. Why is there eight at the top, five at the bottom? No idea. I'm, no I'm not idea. surprised because of the high winds of Jupiter. Right. I'll see if I can find the top. That starts, yeah. So. 
Like, uh, there's one, there's one, there's one. That, uh, I don't know. There's a better picture. That's that's the one right there. Mm-hmm. So if you look at this, it's one vortex with mm-hmm. cyclones over it. So this is six. six. What did I say? You have five and eight. I do have five and eight. I mean, they could probably shift and change. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. There's eight. But they don't ever, they just circle the vortex and they never interact with each other. That's really interesting. It's so weird. That's super fucking weird. And on the bottom, I guess maybe there's six or five. I thought there was only five. It looks like six. Um, There's five in this picture on the South Pole. Huh. Weird. Anyway, they have anti-cyclones. there's another one added. So I thought that was kind of weird. I was like, I did not know that. No, that's fucking (laughs) sketchy as hell. Uh, So fun facts, Jupiter was the first observation that disproved the Bible. Uh, the church claimed that everything orbited the Earth, and at the time they didn't know. At the time they didn't know we were actually orbiting the Sun. So aside from that fact, um, but Jupiter's moons are so large that Galileo observed its moons orbiting Jupiter, thus disproving that claim. Hmm. Uh, Pioneer ten and eleven found so much electron radiation on Jupiter that the Voyager probes needed alterations. So we talked a little about a little bit about this earlier in the podcast, but. This, this came up, and I was like, what the fuck? So they had already built the Voyager probes by the time the radiation came back, and they were like, oh, shit, that is way too much radiation. These things are going to fry. So to combat this, NASA lined its instruments with kitchen-grade aluminum, aluminum foil before launch, causing all the local grocery stores to run out of stock. <laughs> They actually Jesus. went. They actually went to all the grocery stores and bought up all the aluminum foil and just wrapped all of its instruments with aluminum foil, and that's how they got around it. Okay, all right. Isn't that crazy? All right, NASA. And then uh, Jupiter is twice the mass of all the other planets combined, which I think we did say that, but I just wanted to say it again. If you take all the planets and mush them together into a super giant planet, then Jupiter is still no, more than double. Yeah, that's so crazy. I know it is. It's more than double. Huge. All right, it's what you huge. what you got? Um, this one's actually really sad. Jupiter's magnetic field is obviously significantly larger than itself, but it's so large that it's fifteen times larger than the sun, or twenty thousand times larger than the magnetic field of Earth. That's three point three million miles <laughs> wide. And the start of where it actually averts solar winds is at that 3.3 million mile marker on the outside. And that's where it starts to avert solar winds around it. And then it all spirals to the center. But 3.3 million miles wide is where its magnetic field starts. Christ. She's a big bitch. That's a lot. Yeah. That's my one fact on Jupiter. It was easy to find, but I was like, holy holy shit that's a lot of spiraling like no wonder it has auroras that are probably pretty fucking intense so right uh uranus okay three-year-old uranus is the only planet in the solar system that rotates on its side unlike other planets which rotate on their axis uh roughly perpendicular to the plane of their orbits Uranus is tilted on its side with an axis almost parallel to the plane of its orbit. Wait, so it's it's spinning this way? Yeah. And its axes are here on its sides. Uh, I... Yes, and it's traversing... Versus Jupiter spins this way, but its axes are here. Right. Oh. Isn't that weird? I think and, I read that. Yeah, and so Uranus, as it 
orbits the sun yeah is instead of orbiting like against the sun or at an angle it's like completely fucking sideways to the sun super fucking weird okay and this might have something to do with it uranus has a very unusual magnetic field the planet's magnetic field is tilted at an angle of 59 degrees to its rotation axis which is almost as extreme as its axial tilt Additionally, its magnetic field is also off-center and lopsided, unlike the magnetic fields of other planets, which are what mostly the centered. Actual fuck. It's just like this weird this, fucking yeah, planet. It's literally like this. <laughs> <laughs> Scientists believe that this unusual magnetic field may be due to the planet's unusual orientation and the fact that its core may be partially melted. Like if you <laughs> like, you know how like a bowling ball is like got like a weight on one side of the core, and like you don't know this. Okay, so the core of a bowling ball could be, like, more dense on the one side of the core and less dense on the other. On purpose? So when you roll it, it stabilizes on one side and curves the ball. So they think that Uranus is no different. They think one side of the core is partially melted, the other side is So that's partially. why it's all fucking stupid. That's why it's fucking doing this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. It makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that about Uranus. I thought it was just, like, a normal... If you rotation. say Uranus has rings, I'm gonna freak the fuck out. Uranus has rings, like Saturn. Uranus, <laughs> <That's> literally. <laughs> Is that your th- your fact? No. Oh, Uranus has rings. We all know that. So does Neptune. Uh, but it also has a ring system. Okay, let's do that. Although it is not as well known or extensive as Saturn's, the rings were first discovered during a stellar occultation, occultation in 1970. Occultation. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. Of nineteen seventy seven. The state of being from hidden or view or lost. Occulti occult It is a word. The event that occurs when an object is hidden from the observer by another object that passes by. Occultation. Occultation. Oh, that's right. Okay. Hold on. Okay, so Uranus passed in front of something. I can't remember what the fuck it was, but that's Pluto. that's oh, I think it might have been the fucking sun. Okay, so uh, when the Voyager passed Saturn, it took a picture of Saturn in front of the sun, basically. Like, the sun was behind it, illuminating its rings, so we could see, like, all of its rings. They did that with Uranus when it passed by on Voyager, and that's when they saw its rings. Okay. Because it was illuminated by the light. Right. That's what it was. Blinded by and the since light. then, they've been ex- study, studied extensively by spacecraft like the Voyager 2 and the Hubble Space Telescope. And now James Webb. James Webb. Uh, Uranus is the coldest planet in our solar system, despite not being the furthest from the planet. I know. Isn't that fucking annoying? So annoying. Uranus is actually the coldest, with the temperature dropping as low as negative 224 degrees Celsius. Is it because it's like... um. It's ov- oval orbit because it goes farther out than Neptune does. Neptune has like a, a wider orbit, but it's more uniform. Is that why? No, I actually put why. Oh. This is due in part to the not only from the distance from the sun, but also its lack of internal heat sources. It doesn't have a molten core. It doesn't core. have a molten core. It's cooled off. But why completely. does Neptune have a molten core? It's bigger. I don't know. Is it bigger? I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Pretty sure. Okay. Uh, what do we say? Neptune's Uranus? bigger. Uh, no, it's smaller. I, I don't know. Weird. I think it has something to do with also with its orbit, because ne- uh, it has a weird orbital pattern. Weird. This I thought was really fucking weird. Uranus was the first planet discovered using a telescope. 
Yes. Uranus was discovered in 19, uh, 1781 by British astronomer William Herschel using a telescope that he had built himself. Prior mm. to this, Uranus has been observed by other astronomers, but has been mistaken for a star due, its, due to its dimness and slow motion across the night sky. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was kind of weird. Okay. And Uranus has at least 27 moons. Mm -hmm. Uranus has a large number of moons compared to other planets in the solar system, with at least 27 confirmed moons and potentially several others yet to be discovered. The largest of these moons is Miranda, which has some of the most varied and interesting geological <gasps> features of any moon in the Don't solar system. Don't take my facts! That's all I said about it. So there you go. Go. It's all you. Oh, that's it? That's it. Oh, did you know that uh, Jupiter just found out it has 92 moons instead of 70-whatever? 92? We're at, like, 92. I did say several yet to be undiscovered. So, so 74 was our prior? <laughs> 79 was our prior. And we're at 92 now. Shit! I'm surprised I beat that to you. Sorry. Side note. Okay, so Uranus, did you know that its name translates to the Sky King Star in multiple languages? No. But... Besides this, it's Moon Miranda <laughs> is home to the tallest cliff in the entire solar system. Right. At a crazy 12 miles high. Miles, not 1,000 feet, like miles. Crazy. It is called the Verona Rupees. Under the force of the Uranus gravity, which is kind of low, mm -mm. it would take 12 minutes to fall from the top of the cliff to the bottom. Jesus. 12 minutes. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did look into it a little bit. That's but why I, I was like, no, don't take my fat, right. the Verona rupees. I like dug and found that. I was yeah. so pumped. Miranda, yeah. I just said it had Miranda, fucking pictures. dope, girl. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Did you do Neptune next? Neptune, yeah. Look at you. Look at me. So good. So good. All right. Neptune is, has the strongest winds in our solar system. Although Neptune is not the largest planet in the solar system, it has the strongest winds with gusts up to 2,100 kilometers per hour. What? Nothing. I'm not sitting. Um, that's 1,300 miles per hour for those in the U.S. Recorded in its atmosphere. This is due in part to its distance from the sun, which means that it receives less heat and to its highly inclined axis of rotation. Uh, Neptune has a very unusual moon. Neptune has a moon called Triton that is highly unusual for several reasons. First, it is the cold, one of the coldest objects in the entire solar system, with temperatures dropping as low as negative 235 degrees Celsius. Fuck. Second, it's, it is the only large moon in the solar system that orbits in a direction opposite to its planet's rotation, known as a retrograde orbit. Yes. A lot of orbit facts on this one. So, yeah, it's rotating in one direction and its moon is orbiting in the opposite direction which is weird for those who didn't know the negative 232 235 235 degrees celsius translates to negative 391 degrees fahrenheit yep fahrenheit fuck okay it's very fucking cold very fucking cold death yep uh triton is thought to be a Kuiper Belt object originally, which makes it unusual compared to other moons in the solar system that formed from the same material as their parent planets. So Neptune snatched a Kuiper Belt object and it started rotating the opposite direction that it was rotating, and now it's its moon. So it's rotating this way, but it's rotating. Okay. Right. As the Earth turns right, the moon comes along with it in its yes. orbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the opposite. It's it, which, which means is weird. Which means like if you were to look at the moon, you know how like you can look at a telescope or like 
you can just stare at the sky for like an hour and kind of see the moon like move. Yeah. And on this planet, it would be way faster because it's going against the grain. Right. You'd see it like Boo. literally come flying through the sky. That's scary. Yeah. It's eerie. Uh, Neptune is the farthest planet from the sun. Duh. We all know that. But Neptune is located 4.5 billion kilometers from the sun and on average because it's elliptical orbit, which is more than 30 times the distance between Earth and the sun. It takes Neptune about 165 Earth years to complete one sun rotation, which I thought was really weird. That's like two lifetimes for Neptune to do one orbit. Two human lifetimes. Neptune has a faint ring system like Uranus. Neptune also has, I'm sorry, like Uranus, Neptune also has a ring system, although it is much fainter and more difficult to observe than Saturn or even Uranus's rings. The rings are made up of small particles of dust and ice and were first discovered during a stellar occultation, occultation mm-hmm. in 1984. Neptune's atmosphere contains some of the most extreme weather in the solar system. The most famous of these is the Great Dark Spot, which was first observed by Voyager 2 in 1989 and was later found to have disappeared by the time Hubble Space Telescope observed it in 1994. Yes. It's sketchy. It comes and goes. Like, multiple dark spots come and go on Neptune. It's really weird. Yeah. I'm good. That's Neptune. Okay, so most people actually know that Neptune was mathematically and theoretically predicted before technology caught up right. and at the times, and then then we were finally able to visualize it. Right. They were, they were like, something's doing something. It's yes. got to be there. Oh, yes. there's a planet there. <laughs> but we didn't have the technology to look so based off of predictions, calculations, like there's probably a planet here, but we can't look at it until we created telescopes and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, um... Because of this, there's a huge debate on actually who discovered Neptune itself, um, whether it was Galileo, uh, Jerome Lalande, or John Herschel. With Herschel, it's debatable because he may not have known that he was looking at a planet, but he did have a visual on it when he looked through the telescope, but he thought it was a star. Right. So you can actually kind of cut him out. But there's still to this day, we don't know who actually discovered Neptune. No one's been able to pin it down. So who named it? Because whoever discovers it gets to name the planet. Well. It's like the rules. Whoever named it, I mean, but again, it's highly debated. Right. I didn't know that. A lot of people have visualized it, but they thought it was a star since it was so far away and then it ended up being a planet. Right. And also, remember, it takes fucking how long to do one rotation? 160 years? 165 years? Yeah. It's quite a long time. So if you imagine how fast that moves across the night sky, not very fast. You have to wait like five years and you might see it move a little bit. Yeah. Versus Venus we're watching like go across every single day and then Jupiter's like bloop, 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 bloop. So. Right. Or or Mars for that that matter. What'd you do next? Mercury. Okay. Weird. Why? You did Mercury too? No. Venus. Okay. Uh, so Mercury has a very uh, slow rotation. Yeah. Uh, although Mercury is the closest planet to the sun, it actually rotates at a ver- uh, slowly on its axis, taking about 59 Earth days to complete one rotation. So two months to do one rotation of Mercury on its axis. Like one day is two months? Yeah. Okay. Basically. I, I was thinking about that wrong. Sorry. Yeah. Ba- basically one day is two months on Mercury. However, Mercury has a very fast orbital speed, only taking 88 Earth days to complete one orbit around the sun. I hate that. So it's almost one for one. A third of a year. Yeah. Yeah. 
Almost a third of a year. So by the time it almost rotates around itself once, it's almost rotated around the sun once. It's like... Yeah, it's like just barely... T- it's like almost tidally locked, but not quite. That's fucked. Okay, yeah. anyways. Yeah, if it was even, it would be tidally locked. It's probably on its way to being tidally locked. Uh, so Mercury has a very unusual surface. Mercury's <laughs> surface is very different from any other planet in the solar system with a heavily centered and rocky... Oh, sorry. Heavily cratered and rocky terrain that resembles the surface of earth's moon however it also no. has several unique features including large don't scrape stop. cliffs huh don't, don't, don't. large cliffs that can be hundreds of kilometers long and several kilometers high okay sure scientists believe that these scrapes were formed by the planet's cooling at and shrinking as it aged okay, mercury has a very thin atmosphere unlike most planets in the solar system mercury has a very thin and tenuous atmosphere that is made up of mostly helium and small amounts of hydrogen, oxygen, and other gases. The planet's weak gravity means that it's unable to hold onto an atmosphere for long periods of time. Right. Makes sense. Mercury has extreme temperature variations. Mercury's proximity to the sun means that its surface experiences some of the most extreme temperature variations in the entire solar system, with temperatures ranging... From a scorching 430 degrees Celsius, 800 degrees Fahrenheit, okay. during the day, to a negative 180 degrees Celsius, or 290 degrees below zero Fahrenheit at night. Wow. So 800 degrees the during the day. The yeah. And then two months later on Earth, it, it's fucking freezing. It's crazy. Um, Yeah. I actually did know this fact. That's why I put it under fun facts, but it is fun fact. So, however, some areas near the poles of the planet remain permanently shaded and may contain pockets of ice. And mercury? Mm-hmm. <gasps> I actually didn't know that. I thought it was like some full fucking hot ass planet. No, nope, the poles are shaded entirely forever. Just from the, it's not tilted very much, is it? It's actually like one of the more straight up planets, is it? But yeah, it's North Pole is always shaded, so... Maybe it, it rotates like this, away, angled away. Yeah, I think it is. Its axis is always yeah, like... away from <laughs> the sun. <laughs> uh, so Mercury has been visited only by one spacecraft ever. Despite it being the closest planet to the sun, it's one of the most interesting from a scientific perspective. Mercury has been visited only by one spacecraft so far, NASA's Messenger mission, which orbited the planet from 2011 to 2015. And Messenger made a number of important discoveries about Mercury's geological composition. NASA's Messenger mission, which orbited the planet from 2011 to 2015, Messenger made a number of important discoveries about Mercury's geological composition and magnetic field, and also confirmed the presence of water ice in some of the permanently shadowed craters near the planet's poles. So that was confirmed by Messenger. Um, It landed... Only one orbit, or only one spacecraft has landed, and it died immediately. Of course it did. Yeah, that's it for Mercury. Okay, so for me, a Mercury, um, a small little bean of a planet, cannot be viewed by Hubble due to the close proximity of the sun, and it risks permanent damage to the telescope itself. Boo. It might be very simple, but when you're talking about the surface of it, there's a 960-mile-wide crater on the surface of it. So approximately 4 billion years ago, a 60-mile-wide asteroid called the Caloris Basin hit Mercury and left this massive crater. Mercury is only about half a billion or 500 million years old. How it didn't shatter apart its iron core kind of blows my mind. 
Um, Maybe it was a much bigger planet than that. Typically in this, it. the early stages of planet development, they're liquid. So when it right. hit this, it must have been solid because it left a crater. But I'm like, how it didn't blow apart, it probably wasn't very stable, is shocking. Maybe, or maybe it was way further from the sun and this like pushed it. I don't know. Maybe. Um, this is actually not the largest impact crater in our solar system, though. The largest one is on Mars, covering 90.1 million kilometers squared. And it is caused to, or is thought the impact was caused by something as large as Pluto. Jesus. Which is a huge Imagine, impact. like, watching that from a telescope or something. Ooh, yeah, it's pretty fucking wild. So. so that's my Mercury little bean. Sweet. Back to you, Jack. Venus. Yeah, my my bay. So v- I only did two facts about this and no fun facts. Whoa. Yeah, sorry. Fuck your Venus. So Venus has an incredibly thick and toxic atmosphere. Mm, she thick. Venus Venus's atmosphere is about 90 times denser than Earth's and is comprised mostly of carbon dioxide with small amounts of nitrogen and other gases. Yeah. The high pressure and temperature on the planet's surface cause a runaway, caused a runaway greenhouse effect, effect that traps heat and makes the surface extremely hot. Additionally, the atmosphere is shrouded in thick clouds and sulfuric acid, which are both corrosive and poisonous. Probably like the deadliest planet in our solar system. I think it is. Easily. No, it definitely is. Keep going. Venus rotates in the opposite direction from most other planets. Venus rotates on its axis in the opposite direction. That's what I just said. In the solar system. Venus, deadliest planet in the solar system. Uh, meaning that its day from sunrise to sunrise to sunrise is longer than its year. The time it takes to complete one orbit from around the sun. The reason for this backwards rotation is not fully understood but it may be due to a collision with another object in its early Backwards history. rotation around the sun? Wait, no. Its rotation is the same rotation that is its orbit, meaning that to do one full rotation of its axis against the sun takes a, about a year. Okay. On Earth. Okay. Does that make sense? Like if it took a ball, it's the same thing as... Um, Mercury, but way more extreme on Venus. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's, it's a one-to-one ratio. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Okay, so Venus, the sister planet to us, in the closest one to the moon for its phases, it's actually super unique, as we already talked about. Sister in size, right? Uh, yeah. Like, it's almost the same size as Earth? Yes. Yeah. Um, its magnetic field almost doesn't exist. It is its magnetic field is made up through the interaction of solar winds from the sun and Venus's outermost atmosphere, which is very thin. Ironically enough, this lava planet was one of the first planets to be visited by Earth, and it actually, I'm sorry, it wasn't wasn't it was the first planet to be visited by Earth on the Mariner two mission, which failed miserably. It did, but it was our first interplanetary voyage. That it was. Failed, but it was a successful mission. Mars was not our first planet to be visited, which a lot of people think. So it was actually Venus, our our girl. There you go. So that was it. Here and we that's go. That's it. That's all we got. That's here we are. And this is actually a uh, pretty long podcast. It did pretty good. Dope. So what was your favorite fact that I said? Definitely the Enceladus one. 
Yeah, I thought that was really fucking That's cool. That's really fucking cool. They didn't, um, and I, th- I mentioned it very briefly, but they didn't plan on doing that. They only did it when they got there, mm. uh, fly through the plumes. Yeah. They didn't even know the plumes existed until well, the probe was on the backside and looked at it from the sun behind it. And they were like, what the fuck is that? And they're like, hold sense. on, let's alter the orbit and right. go through that shit and collect samples. And they found salt water. It makes <laughs> sense. That's Hello. so crazy. Like, that's one of the the moons that could be potentially inhabitable. Like, we dive and put all our fucking resources into Mars, which I don't even, I don't, it just pisses me off. Just easy to get there. Yeah, but there's so many viable moons that we have. We have, like, six different moons in our solar system that could potentially house us way better than fucking Mars could. Right. There and, is a probe going to Enceladus. Um, good. And the other one that I mentioned, uh, Jupiter's moon. Good. Uh, but they are only orbitals. They will not. They will not land on the planet. Of course, they are. To scope out the geographic locations to find the best place to throw and throw another probe on its surface. Of course, they are. And that's probably going to happen in the next fifty years. Good. I mean. But like those probes are like currently on their way to these right. places. So, Good. So yeah, let us know what your uh, favorite fact was. Send us an email if you'd like at Starmint's podcast at gmail.com thanks for hanging out and waiting for us because we were sick for like 17 years yep we literally were, we we are sick currently still sick but uh recovering so slowly painfully so uh yeah we will see you in the next episode which do you know what that will be no okay i have no idea actually what i'm doing next so it's gonna be a surprise well it's a mystery episode it'd be the mystery all right we got, we'll talk to you in the next podcast hopefully feeling better stay fresh peace oh uh bye